Greetings and welcome to Shnayim Mikra, the podcast series developed and sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org. And each one of the podcasts, we study, analyze, and investigate one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and it's been my honor to be studying Parshat Bahalotcha with you here uh, this week. We are now at the sixth aliyah, the longest aliyah of Parshat Bahalotcha, and a real serious turning point in Sefer Bamidbar. The aliyah begins in chapter 10, verse 35, Perak Yod Pasuk Alamed Hey, and it begins with two very famous lines. Vayhibin Soaha Aron Vayomer Moshe, when the Aron was moving, Moshe said, Kuma Adonai, get up, Hashem, Vyafutsu Ivecha, let your enemies be, be dispersed in front of you, Vyanusum Sanecha Panecha, and your, and your, Hey, those who hate you should flee from your presence. Uvnuchoyomar, and what would he say when the Aron was brought back? Shuva Adonai Rivot Yisrael, either meaning to restore, to return, or to give rest to the Rivot Alfei Yisrael, the tens of myriads and the thousands of Yisrael. Famously, these two psukim are blocked out uh, with a sort of parentheses that are upside down nuns. Uh, the Nunim Hafuchim. Uh, they are not the only Nunim Hafuchim in Tanakh. They also appear in Tehilim Kuvzayin. But they are the only Nunim Hafuchim in all of Chumash. Those who remember playing Chumash baseball knows that this is the 500-point page, if you find it. Um, but um, the upside-down Nun is something that led to quite a bit of speculation. The Gemara in Masachat Shabbat suggests, um, based on the Sifri, that the Nunim are here in order to mark this as a separate Sefer. Rebbe said, this is a separate Sefer. And therefore, uh, the passage, Vahibin Sorat and Uvnuchoyomar together, comprise a mini-Sefer or the minimal Sefer, which has halachic impact. And therefore, if a Sefer Torah has been erased, such that only 85 letters that are spread throughout the Torah still remain, that aren't erased, it still has a din of a Sefer Torah, and it still can be saved from a fire on Shabbat with certain stipulations, but there's certain leniencies there because it still has Kedushat, Sefer Torah, the sanctity of a proper Torah scroll. That is one of the impact questions is, why is this section really blocked off with the upside-down nuns? And it's something that I will share with you at the end of the Saliyah, um, after we take a look at the rest of the goings-on. One of the big problems with the passage is, Vahibin Soaharon, when is the Aron moving? So we assume that it's picking up off of what happened just before Moshe's discussion with uh, 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 invitation to Chovav, which is the traveling of Bnei Israel. They traveled, and when they would travel, just as we heard about the regular behavior of Bnei Israel of camping and moving with the uh, Anun, similarly, whenever they would travel, this is what Moshe would say, and when it came back, but came back from where? This is the part of the problem. And even when it traveled, the statement about spread, uh, disperse your enemies, where are their enemies in this picture? So that's part of the problem. In any case, the people were as complainers. And this is bad in God's eyes. By the way, this is the first time that we hear since the Egel, since the sin of the golden calf, we hear about God's displeasure with the Jewish people. We, of course, know of several individuals who sinned and were killed, notably Nadav and Abihu, for whatever reason, the the fellow who cursed God in Vaikra. But otherwise, we don't hear about uh, divine displeasure with 
a group in the nation until this point. What happened? God heard their complaining. We don't know what they were complaining about. We may get a clue a little bit later. He was angry. And the fire of God, which, remember, the fire of God was the cloud at night, the fire of God burned against them and ate them up at the edge of the camp. So these people were at the edge of the camp. In other words, all of our attention until now has been on the center of the camp and now at the edge of the camp. So the people cried out to Moshe, what's going on? There was this terrible fire burning, Moshe dove into Hashem, and the fire stopped. What happened? So they called the place Tav-era, meaning the burning place. Because the fire of God burned against them. Now we don't know what it is they were saying, but we may get a clue from juxtaposition. The riffraff that were there, they had a lust, particular lust. The implication here is that somehow they instigated that the rest of B'nai Israel should start weeping. And they started complaining and saying, we want meat. Here they are in the desert. They're getting man every day. They've got this beautiful existence, this beautiful machaneh. They're marching. Everything's wonderful. They want meat. We remember the fish that we used to get free in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim had all these rivulets. You just grab a fish. Now, the question is, of course, are they describing what really happened? Or are they describing what often we encounter, which is the hazy memory of the good old days, which weren't necessarily so good. Either way, this is how they remember it. Eitakishuim, the squash. Eitavatichim, the watermelons. Vetachatzir, the grass. Vetabitzalim, vetashumim. The different kinds of... Uh, of um, of bulbs, onions, and, and, and garlic, that we used to eat. We had a delight in Mitzrayim. Now our lives are dried out. There's nothing here. We're looking all the time to the man. They're describing the man as sort of a coriander seed. question is, are they describing it? Is the text describing it? One way or the other, it doesn't look good. So what they would do is they would go out, and this is their description. They'd go out and they would collect it, and then they would grind it, or crush it, and cook it in a pot, and they would make it into cakes. Now for the first time we hear that the man was not really ready-made food, but was raw material that then they would take and they would have to grind and then they would cook, but it tasted very, very sweet. So when the dew would fall in the camp at night, the man would fall on it. And that's the description we had in Mishalach. And that is what the text has to say about the man. In the meantime, the people are complaining about the man. So Moshe heard the people crying by their families. In other words, they got together by their families and they, and by family and they cried. But they didn't keep it private. In other words, this wasn't uh, that a few people were complaining and then privately they, were, they went in front of their tent and they were weeping to make this public. And now you have the whole mass anger. So Hashem is angry, Moshe is angry, and now we feel paralyzed. Everything was going so well till now. And then some people started instigating this desire for meat and the saying, oh, we used to have such great food and we're tired of this man. So the instigation and the anger got Hashem angry, and got Moshe angry. So Moshe turns to Hashem and says, Why did you deal so badly with me? 
What, you don't like me? And this is Moshe Rabbeinu talking with such rancor and such uh, upsetness that we've never heard him speak. You put the burden of this whole nation on me. Did I give birth to this nation? Did I, did I birth them? Meaning, I didn't take responsibility like a parent. You're telling me to carry him like in my arms. Just like a, um, uh, a nursemaid carries a baby. That's how you want me to take, take care of these people. Now, Moshe jumps immediately to saying, the only way I'm going to solve this problem is by giving them what they want. And there's no way I can give them what they want, because how am I going to give them meat? I don't have meat for them. In other words, there's no possibility here in Moshe's response to Hashem, or Moshe's complaint to Hashem, that the response to the people is to say, look, you guys have it good, and the man is good. But rather, we've got to give them what they want. That's part of what happens when the, when the public has this mass hysteria. So then he says, I can't bear all these people alone. If this is what you're going to do to me, kill me. Now, the last time Moshe said something like this was in a very different flavor. When Moshe stood up with tremendous vigor and valor and said to Hashem, If you're not going to forgive the people, wipe me out from the book. I'm with them. Now, it's I'm not with them either. And if you're not going to honor this request and take care of me and help me out in some way, kill me. If you really love me, take me. I can't take, take any more of this stuff. This is Moshe who's really, really reached the end of his rope. And it's one of the two times that we see in Sefer Bamidbar that Moshe has had it with the people. We'll see the other time. So what's Hashem's response to Moshe? Get me 70 elders. You know that they're the elders. You know that they're the officers of the people. By the way, we already had 70 elders. At Har Sinai, so there may be the same 70. Let them stand there with you. At attention. I will come down and I will speak to you there. And I will then expand the spirit of prophecy that's on you and put it on them. And then they will share the burden of the people with you and you won't have to carry it alone. Now, that's what you're doing as far as your request to get some help. So you're going to now have 70 elders, and you won't have to bear the burden alone, and they will be elders. And what's going to make them elders? Not Yitro's suggestion that you're going to teach them the laws and they will be judges, but rather they will be prophets. And that means that they will be there as assistants to you, as leaders. In the meantime, what are you going to tell the people? Tell them to sanctify themselves for tomorrow. You, bet, you wept in God's ears to say, who's going to feed us meat? You said that it was good for us in Mitzrayim. God's going to give you meat and you'll eat. You're not going to eat for one day or for two days. And it sounds, ironically, it evokes for us the image of the Anan and the description of one day, two days, a month, etc., not for five days, not for ten days, not twenty days. It's going to last for a whole month. You're going to be fed meat. Until it comes out of your noses. And then it's going to become worms. You have rejected God who is in your midst. 
And you've said, why did you, why did you take us out of Mitzrayim? So in other words, because you rejected God, I'm going to give you everything you want, I'm going to give you more of it until it kills you. By Moshe, and now Moshe turns to God and says, okay, you're going to feed the meat, from where? You've got 600,000 infantrymen here. That's the nation that I have here, which means multiply that by younger men and by women and by old people. And you're going to give them meat? If you take all of the flock and all of the all of the herds that you have, and 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 uh, kill them, kill them, will that be enough? If you gather all the fish in the sea, will that be enough for these people? And now Hashem gets angry at Moshe. You're going to sell me short, and what I can do? You're going to see if what I said is going to happen or not. So in one shot, Moshe does both things. He tells the people what Hashem said, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, which may mean go to the mikvah or some sort of separation husbands from wives, something that they're going to experience some great revelation. Um, um, and uh, and then he tells these 70 men to come to the Ohel. What happens, Hashem comes down the Anani, speaks to Moshe, and exactly as he promised, the spirit extends from the spirit on Moshe to the 70. And what happened is, they started having their own Navu, and they didn't stop. Two of men stayed in the Machane, one was Eldad, one was Medad, and the spirit fell on them. It's unclear whether they were two of the seventy, or two others. In other words, and the Spirit fell on them also. Which means, their names are written somewhere. Maybe there's a Sefer, Eldad Umedad, Professor Lyman had an article about that a number of years ago, about some suggestion in the Midrash. They didn't leave the tent. They gave uh, Nevoah. They were having Nevoah. So the Midrash says, what was the Nevoah they were having? Having Moshe Meit, Moshe Yeshua Machnis. Some lad ran to Moshe and said, they're having nevuah in the machanet. Meaning, now the nevuah is out of your control. It's not like you're there, and whenever you're there, the other 70 can have uh, right on the coattails of your nevuah. They're having their own nevuah. So, Yoshua Binun, who is Moshe's elite student, speaks up and says, Adoni Moshe Klaim. Put him in prison, lock him up. Because after all, this is nevuah that's out of control. You're jealous for me? Who would give that all of a God's nation should be prophets that God puts a spirit on them? Moshe says, my interest is not in being the only navi. And my interest is not keeping it to 70. I wish that everybody was a navi. And so he says to Yeshua, I'm not interested in locking them up. So that's how this piece ends, and of course it's going to continue in the final Aliyah as we see the denouement of the story. Uh, to, to may take a very, very long piece uh, and make it extremely short and not give it really its proper due, but uh, what I believe is the absolutely finest take on Parshat Palotcha as a whole and the upside-down nuns specifically in this story uh, was Rabbi Salavechik's famous talk on leadership, perhaps the most famous Drasha he ever gave, which was at the Narcia Convention in 1977 in honor of Rabbi Yisrael Klavan, uh, which was uh, right after Shabbat Bahalotcha, and he spoke about listening to the Parsha, couldn't tell if it's one story or many stories, and it's 
He, I remember he described it like a bee going from flower to flower. Couldn't really pick up until finally he saw the issue of the upside-down nuns. The issue of the upside-down nuns, the Gemara says, is why the nuns here, because this parsha was nichtav shalobim komo. It wasn't in its proper place. And it was taken out of its proper place in order to divide between punishment and punishment, between tragedy and tragedy. <coughs> Where is its proper place? So its proper place clearly is when Bnei Yisrael are marching into Mitzrayim, into, into Eretz Yisrael. They're marching in with the Aron, and Moshe says, all the enemies should spread out. There are no enemies here. Because what happened is, that really they should have been going into Israel. At this point, the march should have gone straight to Israel. Where Salvechik points out that in the previous Aliyah, when Moshe is speaking to Chavav, he's speaking with a confidence and an ebullience that you've never heard from Moshe. There is enough great bounty to share with everybody, with the whole world. And, and that's Moshe's uh, attitude and feeling. What changes all of that? Changes all of that is this lust. They're what he referred to as the volup, voluptuaries, the ones who had this, uh, this, this lust for meat. And it said it isn't so much the act of Avodah but it's the mindset of Avodah of paganism, of, of wanting to be, uh, of hedonism. And, uh, he said that was what destroyed everything. At this point, we should have gone straight into, into Eretz Israel. We would have been in, ter- in Eretz Israel in a few days. And, uh, like the Mishnah says, uh, Aaron would have been Kohen Gadol, Moshe would have been Melech, and that would have been the end of history. But instead, everything got turned upside down because of this lust, this inability to be satisfied with what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us, and desire to de- devour more of this world. And as a result of that, everything got turned on its head. So the upside down nuns are there to mark, this is really should have been the point of Ayyubin Saaron, but because of the meat lust that happened, it became kind of put in parentheses, and had to wait another 40 years, and had to play out in a far less uh, powerful manner. And uh, so went Jewish history. Uh, those who are interested, I'll just point out that on uh, my website, on Torah.org, I have a uh, transcription of Rabbi Soloveitchik's uh, piece, so you can uh, read it. Uh, it's also available in many different uh, venues uh, to listen to the tape. Um, and, uh, and to listen to it, it is uh, a magnificent, magnificent speech, highly uh, recommended, and hopefully this will enhance your appreciation of this very unique piece in the Parsha, the Upside Down Knowns. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.